This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Autzen Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prey, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And on this Monday edition, we are going to take a good hard look along the offensive line and what they did for the Ducks in 2020, and also kind of the prospects of the offensive line going into the 2021 football season. Before we do, I want to remind you, you can subscribe today to DuckTerritory.com for $1 for your first month, $9.95 there after that, or save a bunch of money, over $36, by signing up for an annual membership, one-time billing of $75.18. Both options get you inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion, you get to read all the content across the entire 24-7 sports network. You get access to Eric, myself, Kevin Wade, our huge list of national and regional analysts and insiders, and you get exclusive recruiting coverage. And most importantly, it supports the podcast to keep us running on a weekly basis. Uh, Eric, let's dive into this now. Offensive line, it was a unique year in which we saw Mario Cristobal uh, Alex Mirabal, the offensive line coach, kind of rotate throughout games, uh, Oregon's offensive line. It was a constant shuffle between about six guys that saw playing time. Um, the starting lineup typically included George Moore, TJ Bass, Alex Forsyth, Ryan Walk, and then Malasala, Aomave, Lalu. And then the sixth guy was Stephen Jones. Uh, those six were the primary players to to play in 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 along the offensive line. We also saw Jalen Smith get in for five games uh, for the Ducks. Uh, it was a weird year, I, I think, from a, a standpoint of they just continued to shuffle guys not only every week but like every two series. And you wonder. I think my first impression from that was you wonder how much if if it did at all stunt the growth of these guys at their natural positions. Yeah, I think that's been kind of our perspective all offseason, and I think it'll continue to be until we get to spring and get a better idea of what they're doing and, and kind of see what – I mean, because the reality here is we really haven't had Cristobal reflect on the season from this perspective. We got him – I just pulled up a story I wrote on November 20th with a couple quotes from Cristobal talking about this rotation that they were going through, and at the time he had talked about how he thought it galvanized everybody, it validates – the work ethic that everybody and the efforts they put in so they can come out and gain game reps. And he didn't want to put that away. Um, he says, I don't know if there's a change up or any of any sorts in terms of what an opponent is seeing with what we're doing up front, but these players have earned that time. And so like, there was kind of a lot of, at the time it was a lot of intrigue, right? Mid around November. And that was after they'd won three straight games. And I ran through all the rotations and you can check that story up on duckturder.com. If you haven't, if you're a VIP su subscriber, it is a VIP story title scopal system, a deep dive into Oregon's offensive line rotations. That was like in November 20th. And I don't have the full season data, but I did track every snap for the first three games in terms of the rotations. And yeah, it was interesting because 
like Matt said, every two possessions, it was a rotation. It started with the starters, and then, then they would have Stephen Jones come in at left tackle, and George Moore would move to right tackle, and Ryan Walk would leave, and then Malasalo would move to right guard, and it would still have the same left guard in Bass and the same, the same center in Alex Forsyth, but that would be the case for two possessions, and then they would bring in Ryan Walk and bring George Moore out and, and so forth and so forth, and, and, and they would do this throughout the game. They had four different lineups they would shuffle through and I when with Matt in terms of I look back at this and I think their most successful weeks I think offensively were their first three and I think there's a variety of ways you can look at that and I think a opponents didn't know what this was and were probably right. confused by it they probably didn't have the same raw data any raw data on this group. It's just, these are all six guys who hadn't really played very much. And maybe they kind of got a feel for what, Hey, when they've got this guy in at right guard, this is kind of what we want to do. When this guy is in that left tackle, let's try some of this. Maybe that was at play. And I think the other part here from a sick offensive success standpoint is with CJ Verdell. And I know that doesn't have to do with the offensive line, but the running game did seem to, to kind of drop off significantly after this third game, which was his last game healthy kind of in the lineup against UCLA. So, um, I know I think there's some really interesting things here from that regard, and it is really hard, I think, to know exactly what this does long term. And I, I'm still curious, like Cristobal hasn't come out and said one way or the other if this is something they're going to continue to do in 2021. Maybe he comes away from it actually thinking not only was it beneficial, but we'd actually like to expand it and Next year, we're going to have seven or eight guys in the rotation, and the rotation is going to get even more complicated, convoluted. And those are, you know, I think usually sound like negative terms, but from a opposing defense perspective, maybe we find ways to get even more creative with this kind of, you know, shuffling of lineups. I don't know, but from my perspective, all I will say is this was not a position group that got better as the season went on. And especially from a statistical perspective, it got worse. And I, I think it's hard to look at that and say what they were doing was a huge success. And again, Mario Cristobal is an offensive line expert. He might disagree completely with this concept, but from my perspective, I'm with you, Matt. I just think, I'd move away from this. I'd find your best five in 2021. And that's not going to be an easy task, but I think that provides you the better cohesiveness for four full quarters rather than a game where you've got a completely different lineup in the midway through the second quarter than the one you're finishing the game with. It just seems to me like you'd like to have some more continuity. It's unique because in Oregon's first three years under with Mario Cristobal as a coach. So the first being in 2017 when he was co-OC offensive line coach. And then 2018 and 2019 when he was the head coach, Oregon's rotation along the offensive line was very minimal. They, they did not continuously shuffle guys in and out of the lineup. And really the only time that they ever did was injury. If, if a guy got hurt and they needed to put someone in is when the rotation would happen. And they, they did not change positions either. Like we didn't see uh, on one possession, Oregon gets the ball and Calvin Throckmorton is the starting is the right tackle. And then two series later for, or, or two possessions later for the ducks, uh, Calvin Throckmorton, not because of injury, just 
because of just ch- choice is moved to right ta- uh, right guard. We just did not see that happen during the first three years with crystal ball running the offensive line in 2020 we did. And, and like I said earlier, it could have been COVID related. Like maybe True. they were so concerned about if, if one of these six guys came up with COVID-19 and had to miss a game, they had someone available who could play every position uh, or, or maybe multiple guys that could play multiple spots so that there was really no drop off. But nonetheless, it was an interesting decision. Who was the best offensive lineman you feel like in 2020? That's for me, that's a, a very difficult answer. Um, part of me says Alex Forsyth, the center. There was really no center issues from a snapping standpoint, but I don't know if he necessarily like straight up dominated anybody along the offensive line. Part of me also says maybe it was Sala, the right tackle. Um, I thought he was better when he was at, at a guard spot. He also didn't finish the year uh, because of injury. Um, and then at other times, like I think you could you could point to like a Stephen Jones and think, like, boy, he didn't really start a lot, but he should have. He maybe could have been a starter. It's really hard to answer, right? And I think the funny thing is, um, the all conference teams, as selected by the coaches, indicated Alex Forsyth was the best. He was selected as a second team choice. The media poll had Ryan Walk as a second team choice. So. And I actually would say my pick would be Sala based upon the versatility on the right side there and the numbers that I put together through three games. And again, don't include the last three. And I wish I, you know, I kind of wish I would have done this exercise throughout the season, but I didn't. Um, but I, I, he was pretty clearly, I thought they're from like when he was on the right side of the line, they were really, really good when he right. wasn't, they weren't quite as good. Um, I think it's it's really hard. I think it's really really difficult to pick who the best offensive lineman was, right? And that has not been a question in the last couple of years because you had Penny Sewell undoubtedly uh, as a sophomore in 2019. He was an easy pick. Year before that, I guess maybe it was a little more difficult in terms of Sewell only played half the season, right? You had a couple of guys in Throckmorton and Lemieux who were borderline off all conference guys, or, or maybe they both were. I, kind of tend to think my, my, my recollection at least was that neither of them ever fully got the respect they deserved um, from those sort of postseason kind of all conference teams. But like, I feel like last year was really, really hard. Like I, there was no clear pick. And I think maybe that's part of what makes it difficult is. And, and again, I think that's part of what maybe held up some of these decisions from the staff of, you, you had maybe a real lack of who your best guys were. And you said it before. I think it was very clear that Oregon could have, if they wanted to, rotated at a Brady Yellow through the lineups if they thought that that was the way to get to their best five. But it was pretty clear Brady Yellow was not part of their best five. So they just stuck with their best five. And I think, that's a, I think that, to me, the fact that they had done that in previous years where they would not rotate unless there were injuries, to in 2020 where they – did rotate throughout even without injuries really leads me to believe that this was a situation of they didn't know who their best left tackle was or who their best right tackle was. And they basically figured it out by rotating lineup to lineup possession to possession. And so in terms of like, I don't know who, who I don't, I really don't know who I would pick. I would, I probably side with Sala as just from a eye test of watching the team. I felt like he was their best guy. 
but I'm sure there's an argument to be had for almost every other one of these guys that were playing significant reps, um, which is probably why if we want to turn our attention now to 2021, we think this can be a really interesting position battle. Cause I really, it feels like there are six guys all back. George Morrow is returning. Um, that's been announced. They bring back all five starters along with more. And, and I guess with Steven Jones, more was one of those guys. And then you bring in the best combination of, offensive line signings in one in one cycle along with some younger guys who maybe they take a step so i mean i i think this is a year where the depth could be great but maybe again we don't have a great idea on on kind of the top top talent there's not going to be maybe that superstar offensive tackle like we've seen at oregon in the past but it could be a really deep group but also might be a group that's tough to pick from in terms of if, if they had a hard time getting to five in 2020 i wonder if they'll have similar issues in 2021 you do look at the newcomers that are joining the offensive line. Kingsley Salmatia, Bram Walden, Jackson Light, Jonah Miller. And I'm of the belief, I mean, if you listen to the show, you've, you've heard me say this a couple times. I think Kingsley will be in the starting lineup sooner than later for Oregon along the offensive line. Um, your thoughts on maybe – two guys not starting but playing on a consistent basis like will there be a second offensive lineman you feel like from this group or will there be two offense two freshman linemen who played seven or more games in 2021 for Oregon I, I, I kind of lean no honestly um one yeah I think I I I, I, I tend to think Kingsley someone who could start at some point throughout the season, some of that I also think comes down to like how, I mean, do we think these, do these offensive tackles developed enough in 2020, you know, were George Moore and Steven Jones better players by the end or not? I I don't, I don't necessarily know if I have an answer there. And if, if if there's a sense that they didn't take the strides you'd like to see that they didn't improve the way you'd like to see, I could see Kingsley really pushing early for that job. and, and, And that could be the spot, but I just like, I have a really hard time seeing – I, I don't see a true, another true freshman starting, period. Maybe maybe the other alternative here is that Jackson Light is the replacement at center for Forsyth, and he gets on the field a little bit. But I have a hard time seeing seven games worth unless there is an injury. Um, and then I just have a hard time with the depth Oregon seems to have right now at guard and tackle, even though it's kind of – Again, it's a little convoluted. It's kind of hard to sort of peg who's where. I just have a hard time seeing like Miller or Walden stepping in from day one and beating out guys that either started in 2020 or guys like a Dawson Yaramillo who was kind of on the cusp or even like Jonathan Dennis or Logan Sagapalu. Uh, Marcus Harper received some, some, some praise at points there. I think a wild card also remains Jonah Toyanu, who was a really big recruit a couple of years ago, but has not been able to stay healthy. Is he able to ever really push himself in and assert himself and, and, and give himself a shot to be in the two deep? Um, I just feel like there's too many names out there. And maybe again, I might be overlooking some of these true freshmen and maybe they're going to come in more prepared than I'm anticipating. But I also go, it takes a really special freshman to play at all at any position and offensive line is one where physically the development you gain from 
your one to three or so, I think is kind of it matters because you can see a body mature and add 25 pounds. And even if it's not adding the weight, maybe it's adding a lot more strength. So, um, yeah, I'd lean towards probably one of these guys being immediate impact players. Um, and the only way I think a second one is an immediate impact guy is if they want to play a Jackson light fairly, you know, a fair amount early on to see what they've got at center behind Forsyth. But I have a really hard time at guard and tackle where it just feels like there's a ton of bodies that one of these other guys, aside from Kingsley, who I think we just think is such a special talent that you can't not at least have him in the rotation early, maybe starting early, like Matt suggested. I just don't see it from the other guys yet. Jalen Smith will move from tackle to defensive end in 2021. Uh, he was a defensive lineman that signed with Oregon as part of the 2020 class, but because of body counts, Oregon needed help. And so he played line offensive line for the Ducks in 2020. Um, it will be interesting to see the kind of the development from some of these younger guys. Jonah T was a highly regarded freshman coming out of the 2019 class, redshirted in 2019 was nowhere uh, on the sidelines in 2020 for undisclosed reasons. Will he be available for Oregon in 2021? Where is he at in his development? He was kind of viewed as maybe the replacement for Panay Sewell. Yeah. Um, Jalen Jeffers was a talented freshman that signed with Oregon this past year. Uh, Faopo Lalo, a, a massive guy, blocks out the sun. Uh, Logan Sagapalu is a freshman. A couple classes ago, Reg he took a Mormon mission and was someone that you know Crystal Ball said was in contention for you know playing right away uh, for the Ducks. Jonathan Dennis was another freshman on the team this past year, guy that showed up for spring ball, looked you know to be in contention for some playing time. Marcus Harper, another freshman uh, for, for the Ducks, and then uh, Dawson Drillamo. Um, where does he sit? going into the 2021 football season as a super sophomore, uh, former four-star guy was highly regarded coming out of the Portland area. Um, do any of these younger guys you feel like have a chance with a year in the system or two years to maybe crack the rotation? I, I look at the unit and think maybe a Jonathan Dennis, Logan Sagapalu, and maybe a Harper Dawson, Jaramillo, one of those two, you know, groups i could see one of the one player emerge from that yeah i think there's i mean it's really going to come down to how they choose to go about the rotations i think in 2021 because right. i mean like i mean it's still like the interesting thing in 2020 was you know the, the the one thing is there weren't really five true starters but there really wasn't a group of backups that played hardly at all um you know because they were rotating they stuck with these guys basically every snap you said jalen smith played five game or five games I was I wasn't aware of that. Maybe he was mostly on special teams. It, like from my perspective, it really felt like they basically just played six and six only. Yeah. Um, as opposed to in past years where they played their five, and then when it would get to, and part of it was also game script. There weren't a lot of opportunities to really go deep in your bench and play some of your reserve guys. But so like part of it comes down to that. Is is it going to just be like we're going to have a six to eight man rotation, and we're just going to be rotating through those guys? In which case, it might be difficult for that to really, for somebody to really step in. Um, but if they, if they get to a spot where in like in past years where you started five and then, you know, at the end of games where there was an opportunity, you'd rotate through guys. I could see like you I think was somebody that, that was getting some nice praise towards the end of last season. I know Dennis and Zagapalu and Harper prior to the season got some, got some love. 
again, I still feel, and maybe I'm just too attached to the recruiting rankings, but I still feel like Jonah T is too young to totally discount. And he's going to be a third year freshman in 2021 guy was, I believe prior to um, Kingsley Sumatia signing the second highest rated offensive line recruit Oregon ever signed behind Penny Sewell. Um, this, this is a really, really elite recruit that is still a freshman technically who is playing tackle, who I just kind of think I'm just like, it's a little too early just to completely write him off. And he, to me is the wild card in the back of my head of like, maybe this is just going to be a situation where, Hey, a recruit just doesn't pay out or pay off. And that stinks. But I also think I'm not ready to throw him out the door either. Um, the hard thing with a guy like Jonah T and even like a Dawson, if we think those guys are primarily tackle is who are you moving off? Um, because Oregon rotated basically through, I mean, if you want, I mean, the way I look at it is Oregon had, two and a half offensive guards and two and a half offensive tackles they liked in 2020. Um, Cause Sala was both a guard and a tackle. Um, and you had Morin Jones at tackle and you had walking bass at guard. And those guys are basically full-time guards and full-time tackles. If the number stays at, at that kind of rotation, how, how are they going to be willing to go to three and a half? Like, I mean, are they going to rotate more guys? And that's the thing. So like, I guess my, the, the easy answer for this is, yeah, I think there's certainly some of these younger players between Urillamo, Harper, Sagapalu, um, Dennis, who were getting a lot of praise last year, uh, Jonah T, who's still on the roster and I think really highly regarded. Like From that group, I absolutely think they're capable of it, but it's just hard for me to know exactly what the rotations are going to look like. And, and this is one of the things that I'm kind of bummed out because spring is coming up here and I think probably about three weeks and it's going to start. And... I don't expect we're going to be able to watch practice to really have a good idea on this. And so that means we're probably going to be watching a spring game and just really, really tearing. Like I bet our, our post spring game um, film review analysis is going to be about as in depth as anything ever before, because that is going to be the first time we're going to have much of any idea on these rotations. And one of the things I will be watching, depending on how they set up the spring game and what the competition looks like, is just like what these rotations look like. Cause it's really hard, I think to gauge right now. Um, going into 2021, what these might look like. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast, looking at this offensive line. Certainly a ton to break down, certainly more discussions to be had as the offseason plays out because there's a lot of moving parts here. Everyone's coming back, more talent's coming into the into the fold. It's going to be a hotly contested offseason uh, for this position group, and We'll have it all covered. We'll have plenty of thoughts on this as it plays out through spring football here in uh, about a month or so, and then following spring football going into the full off season. So for Eric Scopel and myself, I'm Matt Prame. Thank you for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you there, folks.